sounds like I can give you congratulations. You guys are either flirting with or just past a million dollar run rate. We are flirting very close. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Andrew Maloney. He's the co-founder and chief operations officer at Query.ai, where he's responsible for establishing and delivering on the company's go-to-market and business operations strategy. The tool provides the market's only security investigations control plane. All right, Andrew, you ready to take us to the top? Sounds great, Nathan. Thank you. All right, explain this to a commoner like me. What does that mean? Security investigations control plane. Plane. Great, great question. Great question. So first, thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you today. Uh, so Query AI is a relatively early stage company. Uh, we just raised our, our A round in October. Uh, the premise of what we're pre, doing... Pre-revenue or post? We're post-revenue. Yeah, we okay, just cool. uh, we did our A round. We had two rounds this year. We did a seed round early in uh, the uh, May timeframe. May now, I think it was May. <laughs> Let's look at the, the specifics of it. It's all gone together. It's been an exciting year for us. Um, but then we did a October, a follow-on A round of that to kind of help expand uh, and continue the, the growth in the market. Your question, though, was more of like, what is this and, and what does it do? Um, we have been in and around security for for 20 years, my co-founder, Daraj, and I. And uh, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time in, in SIM-type tool sets working with security operations teams and how to bring all of this data together to effectively run an investigation. What we found, though, is uh, even in historical times with um, less data, more on-prem environments, it was very difficult to centralize all of this. Uh, and what we found with the adoption of cloud and uh, you know, software as a service providers, data is truly everywhere. So this siloed data that is is really a disparate environment. The inability to see this kind of centralized view has really slowed down security teams and their ability to run investigations and get to outcomes with high confidence. So the investigations control plan is really about bringing all of that together, uh, centralized insights and access to all of this decentralized data without having to worry about how to move uh, the data around, how to get it centralized first, which which offers a lot of uh, capabilities and advantages to you know, compared to uh, legacy approaches. And what are customers paying on average per month or per year to use this technology you've built? Our ASPs today are just under 100K. We're planning on growing those to uh, 125 in our 2022 forecast plans. And I think yep. realistically, we can get into the 200K range pretty easily on our average customer. That's annually, right? Annually, correct. Yes. Yep. Okay, this nice, is great. Nice MRR, but we're not quite there. Yeah, that would be incredible MRR. <laughs> that would be great. Um, okay, cool. Give me sort of the backstory here. When did you guys launch the business? So we started our go-to-market operations in very late 2019. Uh, we officially launched the company perfect timing aligned with the pandemic in March of 2020. Um, so the first year was an interesting one for us just coming out of kind of stealth mode and, and getting those first kind of customer traction as the whole world was shifting to remote workforce. But I think we've been a remote first company from the beginning. So for our operations capabilities, it didn't really change too much of our tempo. Um, and we... I think we're we're very well aligned to this market shift and the move to the cloud, right? Because the less data you can get in one environment, the more you start to adopt these disparate technologies, the more you have a need for a solution like ours. Mm -hmm. Now, when did you turn on your first paying customer? That would have been July in 2020. So uh, okay, shortly so after year. our launch. Uh, yeah. 2021 is the year we're in. So <laughs> Sorry. 2020, no, no, 2020. You're, you're all good. We're, yeah. we're on the same page. It's a, how did you how did you fund yourself together. from 2019 to 2020 before your first paid customer? 
So we had a pre-seed round from Angel Investors, uh, which gave us the initial runway to build the prototype, do some market validation and testing. It's an interesting kind of story. Uh, how you know, much was that for? Uh, uh, just under a million dollars. Okay. Yeah. Um, operations have been very lean and uh, a lot of our development is out of India, which keeps our costs down, but they are query kind of employees. So uh, those relationships have been very beneficial. Diraj has been in engineering for well over 20 years now. Uh, he and I met about 16 years ago at a company called ArcSight. So he's got a and lot of You guys of just split 50-50 at the beginning or no? No, he actually started the company prior to, to my joining uh, from an incorporation perspective and was building a bit of a kind of a prototype. Um, you know, how do you more simply access data from a single solution, almost like a Siri for your sock as it kind of started. The technology was even called Iris inside and you can literally natural language processing, ask it questions and get answers. And that is unique and interesting, but the real market problem that we saw and aligned to as we really started to kind of test and validate is the need to do this across decentralized platforms because no one again has all that data in one place which kind of an obvious aha moment looking back because we tried so long to get it all in one place, but it's really a paradigm shift in the way people think about security today. So what's the energy like though between the two of you? I mean, would he call you a co-founder? Do you have more than 20% of the business? Uh, he would call me a co-founder. We don't okay. disclose publicly the ownership percentages, but we're both in, in strong positions and, and want to see the company succeed. But yeah, we're definitely partners in this. So I would say 50-50 partners without any kind of equity uh, association to that, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, the reason I ask it, it sounds like you have a storied history, right? You're not going to join a company like this unless someone puts together a very compelling compact for you that actually looks like co-founder equity. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, the way that we split the responsibilities, the business and, and how we've kind of built this up, um, I think he would very much agree that we have completely done this together. I handle all yeah. the business operations, go to market sales, marketing, customer success. He's responsible effectively for kind of R&D and bringing all of the product to life. Okay. So you get going in 2019, you sign up your first paid customer in 2020. How many customers are you now serving today? So we have um, just under 10 customers today with a couple more. We close, hope to get done in the last you know, couple of weeks, always down to crunch time in the year. Um, we've got a pretty aggressive growth plan coming into 2022, uh, which will be both on kind of the revenue and the customer acquisition in terms of number of, of new logos. Um, but we've landed some, some really strong accounts that we're very excited for. No, it sounds like it. And at the average ASP that you just articulated a couple of minutes ago, times 10 customers, it sounds like I can give you congratulations. You guys are either flirting with or just past a million dollar run rate. We are flirting very close and uh, you know, have great plans to go and not just expand new customers and logos, but we got some deals that we see a lot of expansion opportunity with. Andrew, you have, you have 10 days. Nothing happens. <laughs> you have 10 days to I get know. 4 or 5K of new MRR. Hit that, hit that magic number, baby. I will tell you too that my VP of sales is feeling that pressure as well. I bet. I bet he is. All right. Very cool. What a fun story. All right. So um, fill out the capital stack again. So a million in 2019. What was the next round? Um, it was a million in, in 18 was the, the pre-seed round. In um, early 2021, we did a seed round of 4.6 million. Okay. Um, well, 4.6, 3.6 million. We announced it, including the pre-seed. Let me make sure that I'm getting that. Right here. So 4.6, that announcement included because of the first funding announcement we did um, for a total of 4.6. And then this year, we just did a 15 million um, in October, a second round, uh, which was our A round officially. Yeah. How do you go out? I mean, again, you sort of just told us your revenue run rate. You know, imagine you guys aren't going to go out and do a series A that's super dilutive. You know, most companies are selling 10 to 15% of the business, right? In the series A. So assuming you were in that range, you had to go out and convince the world that you're worth hundred million bucks or something around that, right? Which is basically like a hundred X multiple. How did you do that? 
Well, uh, multiples are crazy right now, and valuations they are. But that's really place. great. I mean, that's another. I level will tell of crazy. you, we didn't we didn't get to a hundred million in that. We okay. gave a little more away. <laughs> uh, it was important for us to find the right investors who could really help us move the business from a relationship, from an experience perspective. We feel like we've built a very very solid board to help us drive the company forward. Um, so I think we did very well. We didn't give too much of the company away, um, but. You know, we we also were telling a story on kind of what the future holds versus just what we've done today, right? Because you know, you've got to drive towards revenue. We did it probably, I don't say, you know, late summer. We kind of started some of these conversations. We had um, some folks interested early on that we had kept up to date, so they saw the progress. They saw us kind of marching towards our targets and milestones. Some of the forecastability to where we were going to end the year, and then obviously our operating plans going forward are very aggressive, right? We'd like to be. Uh, at or as close to 15 million in ARR by the end of 2023 as we can be, which would make us a you know, hyper growth kind of company. And what would you have to, what are you trying to finish 22, 22 with? 22 would be collectively about 4 million. If we yeah. So if you're targets. 4X and then sort of 3X after that is what you're targeting. Yeah. The triple, 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 double, double. So four, you'd be four. You'd be a, four, <laughs> you'd be a, a quadruple. A quadruple, right. triple, triple, double, double. <laughs> Never hurts to overachieve. Like I said, there's a lot of opportunity, we believe, in our kind of upsell as well and expansion in customers. Uh, we've landed some really large deals with pilots to kind of other sub-customers, whether it's MSSP style things or even a large government agency we did a deal with in, uh, in Q3. Where we I want to come back to that in a second because NDR is really, really important in this space. Um, just to, again, Phil, finish the capital uh, stack question. It sounds like you guys basically sold 15 to 20% three times over the past you know three years. Is that basically accurate? Um, there's different conversion rates based on when the equity was raised, right? So that they, uh, there was caps, obviously, in some of the angel investments. They were done on safe documents without over-disclosing too much. But, uh, yep, 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 yep. I mean, we, we've maintained. Though. I mean, that, that pre-seed um, round in 2019, pretty standard back then to do you know, a million on a five cap sort of deal. Right. So without disclosing all of the details, we have maintained over 50% employee equity in the company and still have room for new investments as we do. How did you and Doresh decide, if I, I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, but how did you guys decide how much to set up in your ESOP pool? Um, I mean, standard's kind of a 10% is yeah. what we've gone for employees options. Uh, and we've, we've proved that up every time we've gone. Um, there's often leftover shares depending on what your hiring plan looks like, right? And we are, I would say, rather conservative in our operations, but we do try to make sure that every or every employee has a, uh, has a meaningful ownership percentage and that they are bought into this because you know ultimately we are all partnered in this. At this early stage of a company, it takes every employee wearing multiple hats to make it successful. I bet you can't guess what SaaS founders waste the most time on after they pass 15 employees. Think about it. Think about it when you onboard a new team member, how much time as a founder do you take to set up their email account? Get them added to the Trello board. If it's a sales hire, you've got to onboard them to Salesforce or Slack. This is a terrible use of your time as a founder. You should be thinking about big, long-term objectives and strategy, not IT support. That's why more firms, more SaaS founders are relying on Electric for IT support. For example, Chris at Sendoso has well over 24 million bucks in revenue today, broke a $540 million valuation last year, and he spends zero time on technical onboarding for new hires. He relies on Electric IT support to onboard 10 to 20 new teammates per quarter. 
Now, Electric is best fit for US-based companies with between 15 and 500 employees. They reached out and said, Nathan, we love your audience. We love SaaS. Can we put Electric in front of them? And I said, yes. So check them out today at nathanlatka.com forward slash electric. And as you guys know, in Latka style, I said, you gotta sweeten the deal. So they said, Nathan, for your folks, just for taking a meeting, they'll get a free pair of Beats Studio Buds. Now I looked up these buds on Amazon, it's $120 value. So to get those buds, again, just for taking a meeting, go visit nathanlacka.com forward slash electric today. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash electric. So again, between you, your co-founder and the ESOP pool, over 50% equity investors own the rest so far. Um, I, without looking at the cap tables or over displaying too much detail, uh, that sounds about accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, talking more about the NDR stuff, right? So, so again, the highest actually, I mean, we're seeing even in series a round, the highest multiple companies right now, not the ones growing revenue, the fastest, it's actually mm-hmm. ones that are proving out they can hit 150 to 200% NDR, especially only being a year or two years old. Tell me a story about someone who started paying you guys. I'm making this up five grand a month, a couple of months ago, and they've already upgraded to whatever 10, 20, 30 grand a month. Well, I would tell you that uh, with annual contracts, we haven't gotten to realize a lot of that value yet. We're definitely seeing for the early stage customers opportunities to grow those accounts. Uh, but I can't tell you we've realized all of those yet. Because as I mentioned, you know, we closed our first customer in July of 2020. Uh, and that was actually a multi-year uh, paid annual deal. right? So there was no upsell opportunity until the third year of that contract. So we're Isn't just coming massive- into the opportunity in 2022 where we'll have upsell potential. Isn't that a realize. massive liability with a sales motion to, to basically only give yourself one shot each year to drive expansion when usage might be increasing from a customer every single month? It certainly could be. I think we've looked at different ways to model this. Um, it's pretty standard in our industry to do annual deals. Um, you know, And again, as early as we are, a lot of times it's more important to get the customers on, understand the usage, drive that value home, make them very successful and referenceable customers because they can help drive additional revenue. So there is investments, if you will, that may impact the short-term um, revenue we can acquire for a customer. But you know, we realize, we feel like we can uh, we can capture that back to some extent as we go forward, even if not directly from that customer in dollars in you know, multipliers of them being able to help us get other customers, case studies, yep. references, those things are critical at early stage. No, I agree. You got to show the product works and hear it from somebody other than the company, right? That, that's right. And in terms of growth rate, if you're sort of floating with that 80 grand a month uh, today in revenue, where were you exactly a year ago? Do you remember? Um, we had pretty significant growth this year. I think we came out of 19 in our first year selling only just, just over, um, I don't know, about 150, 125K. In, in, in overall revenue at that point was our first yep. year selling. But where were you exactly? So in 2020, this in December 2020, what was your monthly revenue? Do you remember? Uh, I, I don't. Coming into 2021 was about 125K in total. So that divided by. Oh, 12, I thought you said 2019 was that. Got it. No, I'm sorry. I, I may have misspoke. Our, our, we're both getting our years off. Our first customer was 2020. So yeah, at the okay. end of 2020, coming into 2021, uh, we would have been just north of 100K in revenue. Yeah, you were doing something like 10 grand a month a year ago, now at 80 grand a month. So obviously easy to multiply by 800% on small bases. Your bases are getting- Well, that's the thing. Those numbers aren't all that impressive when the numbers are small. Uh, But when you start talking about taking the million and quadrupling it, and then from there, expanding those larger numbers by 3X, that's when it gets really exciting. And we believe we're seeing that opportunity. It's a massively, I think, underserved market for one where, again, the problem is well understood. Um, incumbent and legacy technologies um, have a very standard approach, right? We're kind of the only kids in town doing it this way. Um, 
and, and really starting to disrupt some things. And we're getting more and more buy-in. But again, you do something kind of net new and unique. You're starting a company from the ground up. There's a lot of that education and um, uh, evangelization, frankly, to get people to start thinking about other options because they don't know it's there if you're just creating something net new. Yep. What are you guys upselling against? Is it number of seats, number of API calls, something else? Yeah. So currently we try to keep the pricing model as simple as possible. It's all based on tiers and it's all based on number of analysts for our kind of direct sales go to market strategy. So it's like one to three analysts would be our first tier. And then the upsell would be additional analysts from that. So uh, say four to six and then so on and so forth in buckets of three until you get to 15. And then it kind of goes enterprise custom because we want to make sure it fits for the best model for the customer as well. Okay. So your salespeople have that as leverage upsell number of analyst seats, but what is there a usage-based upsell you have as well? Not today. It's kind of an all you can eat in terms of you know number of integrations, APIs. We're even looking at a product like Growth Strategy that can enable us to uh, to give a freemium model away to get more people leveraging the product and seeing these kind of very unique capabilities. That is something that we're looking at for kind of the end of 2022 to roll out. But uh, very excited for the the potential there and and both the ability to kind of generate new opportunities for us, right? But just get the product in the hands of more people and start seeing some of the value that we're. We're, we're seeing realized with our direct customers today. Very cool. Talk to me about team today. How many folks full time? We have uh, 26-ish employees today. We had two more start this week. So it's it's hard to keep track as we're growing pretty rapidly at this point. Uh, we started the year about 10. Uh, so we've added about you know, 15, 16. And uh, we plan to get somewhere around the 40 range by the end of 2022 with ramp hiring and you know, sales, marketing. How many engineers? Uh, heavily right investing now? in engineering right now. Uh, good question. So we are sprinting to uh, 16 as fast as possible. We're at about uh, 12, 14 right now with uh, some offers out there pending. Yep. And you're building hiring is very difficult these days, as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah, yeah. You're building your inside sales team and people always wonder, what should I put? What quota should I give my first sales rep as I try and figure out this motion? What yeah. do you do? Um, for our year one, we stuck with a million and we gave them okay. some ramp time, right? Uh, you know, our objective now is to find very hungry reps that can uh, you know, work with early stage companies, do that discovery, help us learn because every conversation we have, we're still learning from uh, that we're seeing really strong alignment. And again, and uh, you know, reception to to the message we've got. So we started with a million. Um, our, our plan is to kind of keep it at one point two now for the foreseeable future, so we can create a lot of upside for these reps. If you're and what spending a lot of money, on? three months is kind of standard, I think. Um, so we're we're planning those things and trying to get some of that out of the way this year, right? So we've been onboarding sales reps for the last couple of months, trying to get them set up and going for early twenty twenty two. So just to be clear, if you bring on one or two reps, you'll give them three months to get up to quota target. But in that third month, you really want them closing sort of $80,000 in new ARR you know, each month effectively. Ideally, we would. I mean, I know that there's going to be some seasonality to that, and it's not going to be a direct linear path for us at this point. But uh, we do believe with the pipeline we've got on hand today, even bringing new reps in, they're not starting necessarily net new. So we yep. can help them get started, give them some wind under their belt, and then hopefully they're bringing in their own new deals by uh, at, at minimum the six-month mark. How many quota carrying reps do you have today? We've got uh, three currently under yeah, three. Uh, it's a tough motion to get right, but you're you're in the thick of it. It is. It's right. always a balancing act, right? You don't want to go too heavy, too fast. You've really got to figure out the sales motion. So our focus for Series A is very clearly find that repeatable path to revenue that we can really scale up. Because again, going towards that 15 million number, we need to know that we've got a sales motion that we can put the right pressures behind and apply the right resources and ensure we're going to get the right outcomes. Yep. No, I agree. All right. Let's wrap up, Andrew, with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. 
Uh, favorite book. That's not in order from what I saw. Um, I don't have a single favorite book. There's there's my favorite business books. I, I saw Snowball or read Snowball from Warren Buffett, which I thought was an excellent book for a lot that's of people. That's a big reasons. that's a big read. You have a it lot of patience. A, a very long one. I actually listened to it if I'm being fully transparent. There we go. Now but, the truth uh, comes out. <laughs> Little Blue Truck is a great kids book for those of you who have kids, which I think is a question coming up. Maybe I've jumped the gun. Yeah, there so how I many kids do you have? I have three now, actually. We just welcomed our uh, our youngest daughter two months ago into the oh, world. Oh, wow. How cool. And how old are you? I am 38 as of last week, December 3rd. <laughs> All right. We're going out of order, but that's okay. How many Is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, you know, I looked at that question. And I don't really have one specifically that that rang out. I've got a lot of friends, CEOs, or fellow entrepreneurs that that you know I bounce ideas off of, um, and just make sure you know there's there's a lot of comparison points, a lot of learnings. If I had to name one though, as I was thinking through this, Brian Murphy from ReliaQuest probably he earned some credit. I've known him for a long time. He's done a lot of great things with that company, built a really strong culture and a great team over there. So I definitely admire him. And I think, uh, you know, his focus on his people is an important thing that's often overlooked in business. Yep. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? That is a very near and dear one to me. I strive for seven to eight. It's probably more like six to seven, but I'm a big believer in sleep and kind of recharging for your health. So uh, I do try to get to that point. Andrew, take us home. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Oh God, that wasn't in the list. Um, there's a lot of ways to make money. Everybody, you know, I grew up in a blue collar family and it was all about like, you got to be a doctor or a lawyer. And what I've learned is you can make money doing anything to include janitorial services. If you want to own the company that, that you know, does the janitorial services. So don't limit yourself, follow your passion. And then you could, you'd be surprised how many ways you can build businesses that are going to make a positive impact. Guys, shore up your security with query.ai. They got going back in 2019, raised a million dollar pre-seed round, 3.6 seed round, 15 million series A sound between caught 10 and 20% of the business. They've already onboarded 10 enterprise customers flirting. They're so close to that million dollar run rate, about $80,000 a month right now in revenue up from $10,000 a month a year ago. So really healthy growth. But as they look to continue to scale with our team of 26, 12 engineers, three quota carrying reps with a $1.2 million target as Andrew looks to scale the team. Hiring engineers fast. Apply today. Andrew, thanks for taking us. <laughs> Top. Thank you so much, Nathan. Appreciate it.